When we were all Jaya babies growing in our mother's bellies, we were in no other place but here. We were here, but not here, not aware of being here in this world. And in that womb world we grew eyes and ears and lungs that were designed not for the womb world, but for this world, here. And in this world, the Jaya began building heaven. Let it grow and unfold organically, just as a baby might grow, miraculous and full of mystery. Heaven is also in this world and in no other. And in heaven we grew capacities, capabilities that might not have a relevance or purpose or function in this world. They only become useful or accessible in heaven which is often closer than you think, which is often closer than your very breath. It is at moments like this, the connection between Billy and Miss Carter, that we, the Jaya, feel it. In the Victorian Living Museum, the teachers took the children to visit the bank. The bank manager took them all down to see the vaults. But there wasn't any money in the vaults. The only money was in the glass cases, like the ones Billy had seen at the mine. Of course, Billy thought, who needs money in heaven? As they descended the stone stairway into the underground vaults, Billy felt the air cool and the rock began to murmur. The rock was speaking to him. The rock was saying, Billy, 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 run. Billy ignored the voice. He liked it here in heaven. They visited the sweet shop and the shopkeeper made a tray of cinder toffee that they then smashed with a hammer. Tap, tap, tap. They gave it out to all the children for free. Billy ate the sweet toffee and couldn't stop smiling. He'd never felt so happy. He was happy just to float along with the crowd of children, happy to be adrift in their herd, taken by their current. They made their way to a hall, and the children sat at tables and began opening their lunch boxes. Billy sat awkwardly for a moment, then went over to one of the teachers and said, Do you know where the toilet is? The teacher shook her head. Do you really need to go now? Or can you wait five minutes? I can just go by myself, miss, Billy said, if you tell me where it is. You're not allowed to go by yourself. You know that. But I haven't done anything wrong, miss. Oh, no, it's not that. It's not you, it's just... She paused. Can you wait five minutes till we've had lunch and we'll all go together? Have you had your lunch? Billy pressed his lips together and shook his head. It seemed odd to all go to the toilet together, but maybe that's the way they did it in heaven. I left me bait in the mine, miss, he said. Oh well, the teacher said and smiled. I'm sure we've got some spare. Go and sit down and I'll bring it over. The teacher plonked a white paper bag down in front of Billy. He took out the sandwiches and saw that there was fruit, a biscuit and a drink. He squished the funny bottle the drink was in and it made a crinkling sound. He looked around at the other children with their bait boxes spilling out wrappers and mess all over the table. Billy noticed they all had food round their mouths. 
He took a few bites of his sandwich and it tasted good. It was cheese, but not like any cheese he'd ever tasted. Cheese in heaven tasted incredible. He wolfed down the rest of it and thought how lucky he was to be in heaven with everyone so friendly and happy and helpful. He thought it was a shame the children didn't like being in heaven. They spent most of their time falling out with each other and didn't seem to be happy at all. He began to think about his life back on earth. He thought about his mum and his dad and his brothers and his sisters and his nana and his cousins and everyone who knew him and everyone did know him and knew everything about him. He thought about his granddad who died and wondered if he was here and how he'd go about finding him. He thought about his little sister who died just after she was born. Maybe she was here. He wondered if you keep growing in heaven or would she still be a baby? After they'd eaten, it was only the teachers and Billy who tidied everything away. Then they all had to go to the toilet at the same time, which caused more commotion than falling out. Billy looked at himself in the mirror. He looked the same, the same as he did when he was alive. He pinched his cheek. That felt the same too. He gave his face a good wash so he didn't look quite so dirty. The boys were playing around with a great wind-making machine. When they'd gone, he went over to it, put his hands underneath it just as they had done. But it made such a terrible roaring sound, he thought the devil himself must be trapped inside it. <laughs> they were led into another room for something called a movie. The seats were padded and so very, very soft. It was dark and warm and he felt so full of food that he began to fall asleep. The rock was speaking to him, telling him to run. Billy, run. Telling him to go. Go now. Billy, go now. Then he got the fright of his life. A man's face appeared and looked straight at Billy, a giant's face as big as a house. Billy screamed and darted behind the seats. The children near him began to giggle, then broke out into hysterical laughter. The teachers tried to calm everyone, but Billy ran out as fast as he could. Miss Carter went after him. Billy, stop! Where are you going? Billy! Billy, stop! Billy felt something stop him dead in his tracks. It wasn't him. He was running. Something grabbed him, froze him to the spot. It was like his feet were trapped in stone. He was stuck, stocked still, till Miss Carter touched him gently on the shoulder. He felt a shockwave, a surge of warmth shoot through his body, breaking the spell that had stopped him dead in his tracks. We were impressed with the energy Miss Carter could muster that had shot out and caught Billy, pinned him to the spot. She led him slowly to a quiet area and sat down. Miss Carter sat opposite Billy and asked him what was going on. Billy muttered something about the giant's huge face and the staring eyes. Miss Carter frowned and leant forward in her seat. She peered at the soot and coal dust ingrained in Billy's skin, then at his patched up clothes and hobnailed boots. I don't teach your year group, she said. Are you in year seven? Billy kept his head down, staring at the floor. Where did you get those clothes and boots? They're not from school, are they? Billy shook his head. You're a very authentic Victorian, Billy. Billy kept his head down but flicked his eyes up to meet hers. Miss Carter didn't say anything for a long time and neither did Billy. We felt a shift, a slide between them, slow and subtle at first, but a shift 
all the same, it was some kind of exchange. The teacher, Miss Carter, was beginning to sway. She was beginning to spiral. She was beginning to feel the air become thick like jelly. When she finally spoke, the puzzled frown disappeared from her face. I'm trying to work out what happened back there in the movie, she said. You were so shocked. It's odd. You've seen a movie before, haven't you, Billy? Billy looked down at the floor again. He felt stupid for screaming and running away. He felt stupid because he didn't know what she was talking about. She moved forward slightly, almost touching him. Do you have a TV at home? Billy felt his face begin to flush. As his gaze bore down into the floor, he could see through the floor, through the ground, to the rock below. He saw the mine shaft they were on top of. He saw the mine shaft collapsing, the darkness of the tunnel he'd been crawling along. He could still taste the coal dust in his mouth, on his tongue. His eyes burned with tears. It was all going wrong, and he didn't know why. It was as if the world itself was collapsing. The blood pumping in his ears was deafening. He felt sick. Heaven wasn't supposed to be like this. It didn't make sense. Miss Carter leant forwards and touched his knee. He felt the warm energy jolt through him. Can you look at me, Billy, she said. Do you know what year it is? He lifted his head and looked at her, and there in her eyes he saw the stars in the night sky, galaxies spiralling, lights bobbing and dancing, then flying past them both at great speed. He saw lights circling round her head and changing colour from yellow to orange to red to green. The lights danced in a widening gyre, and in the lights he saw faces. He felt a sudden calmness pass over him like a mountain spring tumbling and falling over smooth black rocks. I was down the pit, miss, and there was this frightful rumble and the whole mine came caving in on us. I think I hit the rock too hard and it all came crashing down. I think I caused it and now everyone's dead. I don't know how I got here, but this is heaven, isn't it? Miss Carter laughed. No, Billy, it's not heaven. You're not dead. But as she said it, she felt a shudder. A low rumble, like a distant explosion. A great collapsing of tons of rock. The ground under her feet began to fall away. We felt it too. She was lost for a moment. She was adrift. She heard her own voice saying, It's not heaven. You're not dead. Over and over again, as if her voice was echoing and ricocheting down some cavernous tunnel. We moved in closer. We could feel her breath, her heart beating. As we moved in, she felt an ache in her shoulder, in her back. She began to feel nauseous as we dug deeper. She shook herself, then looked at Billy and smiled. The floor was back where it was supposed to be. The walls, ceilings and doors were all in one place. Come on then, she said, getting to her feet. Let's go for a little walk and see if we can't sort all this out. She led Billy into the main street and back up the hill to the mine. Her heels made a tap, tap, tap on the smooth road surface. She asked Billy all about his family and where he lived. Billy was happy to talk. It felt like turning on a tap and all the stories of his life just came pouring out. Tap, tap, tap. He couldn't stop himself. He was even remembering things he'd forgotten, things he couldn't even remember remembering, like the time when he was three and he fell off the swing and bumped the back of his head. 
And being a tiny baby crawling on the floor, and the smell of his mother next to him as she cradled and rocked him in her arms. He suddenly stopped and looked at Miss Carter. The way the sun was behind her head made her look like she was surrounded by a glowing halo of dancing lights. He saw lights radiate out from her, spiralling and changing colour, like she was an angel. You look just like me, Mammy, he said to her. When they got to the mine, the old man was locking up. Hello, young fella, he said. You recognise him then? You've seen this boy before, Miss Carter said. I have indeed. He was wandering about here this morning, looking a bit lost. I thought he'd be one of your lot. What's he done? I'm not sure, Miss Carter said. His name's Billy and he says he works here at the mine. Does he now? The old man said and bent forward slightly to get a closer look at Billy. Miss Carter carried on. He can tell you all about working down the pit. He's a proper Victorian, aren't you, Billy? Yes, miss, but I've only been working at the pit these last six months, so I don't know as much as my dad. He's worked down the pit since he was a boy, like me. Can I leave him here with you for a minute, Miss Carter said and raised her eyebrows. I'll make a few phone calls. The old man looked puzzled for a moment, but then turned and smiled at Billy. I was just heading down into the mine to close up for the day, he said. Why don't you come and give me a hand? Can we talk pit yakka when we get down there, Billy said. Of course we can, Billy, if that's what you want. Yes, I'd like that, Billy said, and realised that the giant man's face back there in the warm and cosy room was probably God, and that's why he'd been so scared. He felt better now, knowing what God looked like. It wouldn't be such a sh shock next time he saw him. As he walked off with the man who was dressed like the pit gaffer, he felt happy again. He felt like he was going to enjoy being in heaven, 